So glad you're here. You may take a seat. Hey, before I even get into it today, let me just hit a few things. I just want to say thank you. Thank you, thank you to, uh, for two weeks I've been out of pocket. It's so good to be back, by the way. I missed you folks. But for two weeks now, Pastor Keith Barreto uh, from the Wake Forest campus, and last week, Pastor Heather Simple preached two amazing messages. Can we just thank them? <laughs> secondly, 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 everybody say rooted. rooted. You can say it better than that. Say rooted. Man, it is on. It starts in a couple of weeks. We had a registration open last week. There are limited spots. This is a 10-week, 10-week Bible study discipleship experience at the campus. It's on Monday nights. Monday nights, we have Rooted kicking off. Some of you might be thinking, well, what about the Monday night worship? No, no, we're doing Rooted this semester. We just had to make a hard call in terms of building space and campus bandwidth. So on Monday nights... Every semester, we're going to have a thing called Rooted. It is a place where you can experience deep discipleship. It is a place where you can grow and ask some hard questions. It is a place where you can actually wrestle with some things. You do life with a set group of people for 10 weeks. It is a place where you can be both needed and known. Everybody say needed and known. Needed and known, and I wanted you to hear from some other people besides me today, so we put together a little video for you. Check this out. Prior to Rooted, I was trying to get involved more in the church. Ten weeks ago, we kind of thought that this is about as good and as close as you get to a Christian family. At the beginning of Rooted, I certainly was not as disciplined as I wanted to be as far as studying the Word. I definitely didn't feel confident in my faith and with sharing it and my testimony. Having gone through this program, really feeling like you're getting to know people, kind of really sharing deeply. It's really helped me to feel more confident in where I'm at in my journey with God. 2019 was certainly a turning point in my relationship with God based upon my experience with Rudy. I'm, I'm having trouble putting it in words. This was, this was the most amazing experience. If you're thinking about doing Rooted, do not hesitate. You will learn so much about yourself, and I think you'll never be the same after it. You can register. You can register by going to our website, newhopechurch.org forward slash Rooted. You can register by going to the Rotunda afterwards. Register, register, register. We only have like 650 spots available. And then we'll do it again next January. We'll do it again the following semester. On and on and on. But Rooted is exciting. So today, we've changed it up a little bit. We like to do this thing about every three to four times a year or so. We do what we call Worship Sundays. And today is one of those. And so today, I want to talk to you ever so briefly about worship. We add more songs, we make the message shorter, and we just do a lot of worship. So here's a question for you. What is worship? What is worship? We say all kinds of things. We say things like, I'm going to worship. Or when we're in a celebration or a service, we'll say, man, worship was great today. Typically, we're talking about the music. But what do you think is worship? Because I wanted to let you know today, as I just speak on it ever so briefly today, the truth is, everybody worships. Every human being worships. The question becomes, what do you worship? 
Who do you worship? But everybody worships something. I was, I was at a football game yesterday. Anybody, who, who is thankful? It is college football time. That's what I'm talking about. Who does not like football? Yeah. I'm praying you folks find Jesus before the celebration is over. I'm just kidding. It's all good. It's all good. I was in Charlotte yesterday. I was in Charlotte for the battle at the border. It was... What I used to think was the only Carolina, because I'm from South Carolina, I didn't even know there was a Carolina in North Carolina, it was the battle between Carolina, i.e. University of South Carolina, against Carolina, i.e. University of North Carolina. It was the battle at the border. And you guys know this about me, like I love football. I am a big football fan. There are many reasons I could give you why. I won't even get into that right now. But what I often do when I'm at football games is I'll often stop watching the game. And I'll start watching people. People worship at football games. I mean, yesterday I saw it all. I saw, I saw people painted in their school colors. I saw people doing chants. I saw people shouting. I saw people yelling. I actually had a pretty bad experience. So uh, I was there with my two kids. Let me show you. I got five, but here are two of them. This is my sweet daughter, Anna Grace. She is at the University of North Carolina. She is a senior, she's a senior, and her brother, one of her twin brothers, Benjamin, is at the University of South Carolina. So I knew when the game was over, one kid was gonna be happy, and one kid was gonna be bummed out. Now, I sat with Benjamin, Anna Grace sat in the student section. Here are Benjamin and I, we are in our section, cold chilling. Now, check this out, what color shirt do I have on? Burgundy for the University of South Carolina. So you Tar Heel fans, I am sorry, but maybe you don't know this, but I went to undergrad at the University of South Carolina before I came to Duke, so I had to pull for Carolina, South Carolina that is. But the point is, Benjamin and I are sitting here together, boom, boom, and right beside Benjamin, two people over, but right beside him was this guy from Boston. Any Boston people in the house? I like Boston people, I got nothing against Boston. But yesterday, this Boston dude got on my nerves, man. He kept leaning over to Benjamin. He kept going, I'm hammered. <laughs> and Benjamin, my son, he's, he's so cool. Benjamin goes, cool. He, he goes, no, you don't understand. I'm hammered. He goes, I can only hear in this ear. And he'd stick his ear in Benjamin's face. And I'm watching this all go down. And I'm cool. It's all cool. But then the competition started increasing. And it was a great football game. And by the way, I cheered for South Carolina. And we were Anyway, so congratulations to the Tar Heel Nation. Y'all were waiting for that, obviously. And then, so it got competitive and it was a close game. And the closer the game got, every time something good would happen for the University of North Carolina, this is what my Boston friend would do, the hammered one. He would go, he'd look at Benjamin, he'd get in his face, he'd go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, dude. And then, and then he had a sidekick beside him, and his sidekick never would look at us, but he was also hammered. And so he would say this almost every play. I'm not embellishing at all. Almost every play, he would go, kick there, blankety, 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 blankety. I'm like, dude, it's a football game. Why? And so, so finally, I mean, Benjamin, just so you know, Benjamin and I did not stay there the whole game. At halftime, we had to go find different seats because I thought I was gonna lose my sanctification. I'm just telling you. 
I've come a long way in 30 years of following Christ, and I can handle about anything anybody wants to do to me. You know what I'm saying? But you go messing with my children. Or my wife, Benjamin. Benjamin who, Benjamin who you know, he, he's a good kid. He looked at me at one point in time. He goes, Dad, if we stay here, I'm going to start drinking. <laughs> I mean, you mess with my kid or my wife, I'm going to go Old Testament on you. You know what I'm saying? And he wouldn't leave Benjamin alone, so we end up leaving. But my point is, as I, as I watch that, and I often do this at football games or, or basketball games, I will observe how in those environments, and if you're not a sports fan, I get it. What is it for you? Maybe it's, maybe it's opera. Maybe it's a concert. Maybe it's your music uh, when you go to enjoy music shows. Or maybe it's the great outdoors and you hunt and fish, whatever the case may be. The truth is, we all worship something. And as I sat there yesterday, I was reminded of what the great sociologist Emily Durkheim coined, collective effervescence. Collective effervescence. And what that is, that is a sociological phenomenon where a society or a group of people will simultaneously start expressing in word and action belief and excitement about something. And I said, oh, that's all about worship. When I ask you, what is worship? What do you say? It was John Calvin, the great reformer, who said this, great quote, man's nature is a perpetual factory of idols. You see, the truth is, every single person here, me included, we all worship something. Even before I was a Christian, I was worshiping something. Now, there's this great chapter in John's gospel, John chapter 4. Where Jesus has this run-in with this Samaritan woman. Maybe you remember the story. It's a long passage. I'm not going to read it all. But Jesus has this run-in with this Samaritan woman. It kind of feels like a Springer episode, if you know what I mean. Jerry Springer, that is. I never watch it. Jesus, Jesus busts this woman's chops because she's like, she's been shacking up. She's had all kinds of husbands. And, and Jesus kind of gets all up in her stuff. And then there's this great couple of verses in verses 23 and 24 of John chapter four, where the Bible says this. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the what church? In the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father what? Now I don't know about you, but when I read in the Bible that God seeks a particular group of people, come on, I wanna be in that group. The Father seeks, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in the truth. Now what that basically means is, if you study the text and you really get into it, it basically means what God is saying is that God loves worshipers who worship in the spirit. Here's what that means. Worshipers who are not afraid to be uninhibited, if you will, not afraid to be free in worship, not afraid to actually worship in this kind of dance, if you will, this sacred dance, this communion with the Holy Spirit. Faithful worship always includes the enveloping of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we sing, yes, as we get into the word, yes, as we give, yes, it's, it's in spirit, and then this next part is in truth. What is that? That's 
That's primarily talking about the teachings of Jesus. Jesus said this, right? So faithful worship, the kind that the Father seeks, is when God's people gather and they worship in the Spirit. Holy Spirit is present. And they're grounded in the truth of God's Word. They're grounded in the teachings of Jesus. I don't know if you've seen this. I don't know how much you guys are um, follow different viral trends, if you will. But this week... Uh, I thought a very fascinating thing happened, and it went viral. It was Justin Bieber leading worship. Now, I don't know how many of you are Justin Bieber fans. You're in church, and you probably wouldn't admit it if you were. Just saying. But I've actually followed this guy quite closely because I happen to have some relationships with some guys who know the pastors who are pouring into Justin Bieber. But I don't know if you know this. For about five years, though, there's been a couple pastors that have been pouring into him. And God has been starting to do something pretty powerful in his life. And this went viral this week as Justin Bieber was leading worship. Check it out. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. worship you. Yeah. To worship you, I what? I live. Let Justin Bieber be your worship leader for a moment. I mean, pray for this guy. Can, can you just go off script here for a moment? Can you just imagine? It's already happening, actually. The influence. We've watched this young man grow up way too fast. We've watched this young man make a lot of mistakes like we all do. But God's got a hold of his life right now. And he's using him. I feel led of the Holy Spirit right now to look into the camera and say, hey, if you ever watch this Justin Bieber and you want to lead worship, we got a place for you right here. <laughs> could, could you imagine? But pray for this guy. Worship. To live for worship. I want to just very quickly today just talk to you about a few things. And the most important thing to talk about whenever we talk about worship is listen. It's not about your personal preference. Oh my Lord, we all fall short of that, do we not? It's not about personal preference. It's not the difference between personal preference or the essence of God. No, 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 no. Worship is all about God. And I know that's hard for us because the truth is we like what we like, do we not? But worship is not about whether the music is traditional, hello, or contemporary. We all know about those worship wars. Right? Worship is not about chancel choirs or religious robes. Worship is not about moving lights or full bands. Worship is about seeking the presence of God. That's what worship is about. Come on. It is about orienting our minds and our hearts and our lives. It's not about whether or not I get what I want out of it. It is about whether or not I worship Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in spirit and in truth. It's not about whether I get my parking spot. Hello. Or somebody sits in my seat. 
It is about seeking the presence of God. It is about understanding that worship in spirit and truth is about the exaltation, the declaration, the praise of Almighty God, giving Him everything we have because He's worthy. Way over any athletic event, way over any possession, any vocation, worship is ultimately about God and what God has done for us in Jesus. That is what worship is about. So please don't confuse stylistic preferences with worship. As long as we do that, listen closely, this is so important. Worship is about us. As long as we make it about what we like, and I understand you want to go to a place that you like, and obviously you like it here, but let us not slip into a kind of consumeristic Christianity where it's all about me, 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 me. No, 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 no. Worship is all about him, 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 and worshiping him in spirit and in truth. This is, not, this is not entertainment that we do up here in music or in preached word. And check this out. Don't miss this. You're not the audience. You're not the audience. We, come on. We all worship before an audience of one, and his name is Jesus. That's what worship is. Let us remember that. Here's a few key definitions I've kind of crafted over the years. Here's one. Worship is offering God all that I am because of all that he has done and is doing in and through Jesus. It's a working definition of worship. It's not perfect. Here's another one. Worship is simply about value. Worship is our response, listen, to what we value most. Now, if you're like me and you see that, here's what you probably are thinking right now. Well, then what do I value most? Do you value football? Do you value marriage, kids, vocation, college degree? your earning power, or do you value God above all of those things? And those things aren't bad. Those are good things. But is God valued above it all? And do I worship him in a way that, that shows and reflects that I value God most? Louis Giglio is a great pastor down in Atlanta who leads a movement called Passion. Louis does a lot of work, actually, with worship. He's written quite a few books about it. Louis says this, Worship is our response, both personal and corporate, to God for who he is and what he has done, expressed in and by the things we say and the way we live. That's worship. So as I wrap up today, can I just real quick, I mean like popcorn, bam, 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 hit four things. Four things, because here's, here's what I know. It's, it's September. Can y'all believe it? Where did the summer go? And like, so many of you have been scattered for the summer. Like, as I look around, I see some of you. Well, I haven't seen you since Memorial Day. Welcome. <laughs> we're, so, we're so glad you're here. Well, welcome back. In the summertime, <laughs> in the summertime we scatter, right? I know that. Um, but now it's fall, and we're getting into a significant season in the life of the church. Can I just give you four quick points of application that will help you be and become a worshiper who worships God in spirit and in truth and whom God seeks after? Here's the first one, prepare. 
Everybody say prepare. Prepare for worship. Now, I want you to know that I fully understand worship happens 24-7. It is not just a Sunday thing. But what I want to talk to you about real quickly is Sunday because let us not be mistaken. It's very, very important that we gather with other believers. On your way to church on Sunday, why don't you prepare your hearts? Why don't you, as you're driving in the car, start to remind yourself on Sundays to have this posture of grace because you're living a confessional life and you're preparing your heart and your mind. Maybe you're confessing some sins of the week and you're just preparing your heart and your spirit to meet with a holy God. Just prepare. Get up early on Sunday morning or as you're having coffee before you, has you have you ever noticed that Satan attacks you way more on Sundays? I mean, for those of you who have kids, you know it. Kids start acting like they possessed on Sunday, man. <laughs> and that's because the enemy will, enemy will do it. Have you ever noticed how marriage is? You tend to fight more on Sunday morning, right? So prepare your hearts as a family and as an individual to engage. Engage. Engage in worship. I've seen grown men at football games or basketball games go ballistic, scream and yell and all, and then get up in church and go. <laughs> engage. Now, I realize we all are different, so we engage differently. This is why sometimes I'll be right over here and I'll be yelling to the top of my lungs in worship, and other times the Holy Spirit will just thrust me to my knees in prayer. But we know, do we not, whether or not we are truly engaged in worship. Look at Psalm 100, 1 and 2. Will you read it out loud at all of our campuses? Ready? Go. Shout for joy to the Lord. Now, now hold tight. We just didn't shout that. It says shout for joy to the Lord. Y'all ready to shout? Some of you are like, my mama told me not to yell in church. Your mama was wrong. I love your mama. Your mama wrong. Or your grandmama. Or your auntie. It says, shout for joy to the Lord. Can y'all do it? It'll be all right. Your mama, she'll be all right. One, two, three. Shout. Whoa. whoa, whoa, whoa. Dang. Shout for joy to the Lord. All the what? Let's continue. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. The Atlantic Monthly did a research project where they traveled around the United States of America and they studied the most effective growing churches. And when they got finished with this research project, they put out the findings. And I was most intrigued about this one point that they made when it came to worship. They said this. I don't think it's an accident that the singing I heard in all of these growing churches was booming and enthusiastic. People, I love this image, people had their chins up and their hands free. Thus, the spontaneous clapping and, come on, swaying, swaying occasionally the single outstretched hand to God. In all the growing churches, the worship was enthusiastic and booming. I got a question for you. Are you enthusiastic when you're here in worship? Yeah. 
I know you people are down front. <laughs> I'm kind of talking to you folks back there. Or you folks, what's up, balcony people? What's up? How y'all doing? Or the camp, are, are you enthusiastic when it comes to worship? If not, it's okay. What do you say this fall you become so? What do you say this fall you actually start to engage worship like never before? You, you First, you prepare your heart and your mind. You get into the Word. You bring the Word with you. You engage. Here, here thirdly, you expect. Everybody say expect. You expect God to move mightily in the worship celebration. I can't fully explain it. I'm not smart enough, but here's what I know that I know. The extent to which you expect God to show up and show off in your life is the extent to which God often shows up and shows off in your life. I can't explain it, but I'm just telling you it's true. The extent to which I expect God to move in my life, in my work life, in my relational life, in every kind of form, the extent to which I expect him to do it, that's faith, by the way, is the extent to which God often moves in my life. And so as you come to church on Sundays and you're preparing and you're engaging, start claiming the things that you want God to do in your life. Start speaking things that are not as though they are and watch God show up in your life. Start expecting him to move mightily. Start expecting him to save your marriage. Start expecting him to help you raise those children. Start expecting him to bless your life vocationally. Start expecting him to lift that black cloud of depression in your life. Expect God to do great things. And here's the last one. Attend worship monthly. No. Attend worship bi-weekly. No. Attend worship Weekly, every single week. Studies are showing us more and more that Christians are going to church about 1.3 times a month. What? Let, let that never be said of new hopers. And some of you are like, oh, it's okay, Pastor. I do online church. I know you do. You send me your pictures. <laughs> I get pictures on, you don't know that. I get pictures on Sunday. People up in their bed with their slippers on, man coffee mug showing me a big old 80 inch screen of worship looking good on TV pastor ho oh. no no now for those of you who are watching this outside of North Carolina South Carolina you're beyond you're not in driving distance that's what online church is for it's not for you to just go cold chilling up in your bed on Sunday or you at the lake or the beach house what's up pastor Loving church. No. No. Listen, online church, here's our vision for online church. And th these are tricky days, church. Hear me. Digital church and online church is tricky. Convenient, yes. Good for those who live away, yes. Good for those of you when you're sick or your child is sick, yes. Good for me to skip out on getting together with other believers in the family of God? No. Online church is a window. The primary purpose of online church, by the way, is so that guests can check us out online before they come here. 
Nobody ever comes to New Hope Church for the first time who, who is not incredibly familiar with us because they've watched us for months online before they come. Online church is a window. It's a window for us to look into the church, but make no mistake about it, God wants you to walk through the door of the church. You say, well, that's just some pastor who wants to have people. Nope. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Won't you read it out loud with me? A great passage of scripture about this. Ready? Go. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We are the family of God, brothers and sisters. And I'm just here to state for the record, online church is good, but it shall never, no, never replace the flesh and the blood and the tangible, physical nature of what it means to be the people of God in the house of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. Do you, I'll, I'll end with this, last, last verse of scripture I'll give you. Do you know what the last positive command of scripture is for you and me? The last positive, not negative, the last positive command in the Bible that you can find in scripture is in the last book of the Bible. Revelation 22, 9, last positive command in scripture. It's two words. Worship God. Last positive command in Scripture, Revelation 22, 9. Worship God. So I don't know about you, but I am fired up for the fall. And one of the reasons I'm most fired up is because I believe that if we'll take this message today and we'll actually prepare and engage and expect and attend weekly, can you just imagine What could happen in our church in the weeks, months, and years ahead if we become a community of faith, a family that every single Sunday we gather to worship God, not based upon personal preferences or anything I desire, but simply based upon exalting high the name of Jesus. So we're going to do that. We're going to continue in that today. Father God, would you bless these elements of bread and wine? Would they be for us the body and the blood of Christ? Thank you, O Jesus, that you went to the cross. Thank you for this sacrament that represents your body and your blood and what you did there for us. Oh God, we worship you. We receive this gift in Jesus' name. Amen.